Carl Jung said, Awaken and shine your light for others to follow. The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. This is an invitation to move differently in the world, to operate from a place of deep knowing and alignment. I'm Adrienne McDonald, and welcome to the Source Code Podcast. Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back, or welcome if it's your first time. Grab your coffee or your favorite tea, and let's get into what the muse has for us today. When I was thinking about the evolution of things around this podcast towards the end of last year, I knew that I never wanted this to be a like an interview-style podcast, and because I, I get pitches all the time. But I know some really interesting people, and we have some really interesting conversations. And I thought, you know, I'd like to share some interesting conversations. So this podcast is the start of a series around conversations. And today you will hear from a very good friend of mine, Aaron Atkinson, and his lovely partner, Sophie, as we talk about connection, real, true connection. And I hope you enjoy. So let's go. Let's get into it. Welcome, listeners. I have the privilege today of talking to one of my favorite people in the world and his lovely partner. Um, I've known Aaron for more years than I care to mention, and I thought it would be a great time to bring them on to talk about all things relationship and connection in this glorious month of February. Now, I would not do them justice, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we'll go from there. So take it away. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Well, um, my name is Sophia Atkinson. Um, many call me Sophie. Um, and I am, by profession, I am in the human resources world. And I'm sure a lot of you know what human resources do. Uh, however, um, on the other side, I, um, I am a creative I, you know, am a writer. Um, I, I, I'm a researcher. Um, I love to experience things and create things. And one of the biggest things that I've been wanting to take on for quite some time now is dissecting um, relationships and how to kind of intertwine and, and get into the weeds of what love means, um, what connection is, um, and what people can benefit from it, how they can benefit from it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here today to kind of partner with my, my husband to, to talk a little bit more about love and, and what that means to us and also to the world. We, you're also an amazing performer. Well, I've seen some of your performances that Aaron has posted online and such beautiful movement you have. Like it's really oh, thank breathtaking, you. really breathtaking. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And my Aaron. name is Aaron. Um, I am also a creative and I'm an author. I'm a visual storyteller. And, and one of the things that's always resonated with me is why we are the way we are, uh, what are the particular things that makes us do the things we do, and the importance of connection. And I would say that in the beginning of Sophie and I's relationship, we would spend hours just talking about relationship and connection. And the book that we just published is a couple of years of, of those conversations and us really trying to get to a place to figure out I think what we feel is our purpose to really help people be better connected in their connections in this relationship space mm -hmm. and to try to bring some awareness around some particular behavioral patterns that we fall into 
that keeps us out of having real good connections. I love it. I love it. I'm my my copy of your book is supposed to arrive on my doorstep today. So I'm looking forward to that. And I will put a link in the show notes to so that our listeners can can access that as well. Um, you know, I was thinking about some of the conversations that the that we've had and over the past several years. And one of the things that kept coming up for me is the the fact that you, you know, when we come in and out of relationships, we sort of we replay some of our childhood roles, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if we haven't healed that stuff, it it really comes out, especially in our intimate relationships. And I was thinking back at at some of my own um, roller coastering. As if, if you will, and the fact that um, I grew up in a very chaotic environment, and so I loved chaos in my relationships, and mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that one of the most important things that we have to do in order to connect with other people is first turn that gaze inward, and I know Aaron and I have talked about that on a couple of different occasions throughout both of our journeys over the past 10 years and it's i i've known aaron long enough for me to come in and out of a couple of of relationships i think and um and i i think that that was a real turning point for me and and would you say that that was the case for you and sophie weigh in as well yeah i think um one of the things is like you you've got to get a good sense of like your place in the world independently. And I think it's, it's very easy, especially in, in long-term relationships to, to kind of, there's an identity that you assume in a relationship. And when you're out of that, if, if you're only tied to that identity, it can be a very challenging time for a lot of people because now they can't really understand who they are outside of it. And I think that, for me, um, you know, when my previous marriage ended, I think one of the big things I learned as as I was going through that was I had really come to a sense of uh, radical acceptance for who I was and how I wanted to be. So on, on the opposite side of that, it was um, the transition individually, I think it was easier than some people have just because I had, I understood who I was and how I wanted to be. And um, it's, it's interesting because I think that they say, as I was growing up, the term I would hear a lot of times is, you know, a lot of times people look for their mother in relationships, right? A lot of men will look for their mother and they'll look for the qualities uh, in a wife that their mom had, you know, and that, that can be a good thing, but it also can be a not so great thing depending on what kind of upbringing you have. And so I think it's important that people understand that and that they understand particular patterns in their parents that they, that they themselves would not identify with or don't agree with so that you're not just kind of repeating that pattern in your life. What do you say? Yeah. I'm to add to that. I would say that experiences uh, typically shapes us. And um, I think a lot of us kind of learn, you know, um, a little later in life, you know, that there are some things that needs to be changed. Um, And then that's when we come to terms with going to therapy and trying to get those things straightened out and, and talking about, you know, those things that may have, you know, triggered us in the past or whatever the case is. But once you identify what those things are, then you can really start to work towards that. Um, But if you never address it, no matter how old you get, then nothing's going to change. Um, but I will say, you know, when you're younger, like maybe in your twenties, maybe even in your lower thirties, sometimes you don't really know because you're still trying to figure life out and you don't really realize how those past experiences are really affecting you because now they just became a part of you until they've been pointed out by someone else that's paying attention or watching you. Um, so with that being said, if you 
you know, once you come to the realization that change is needed and you get the help that you need, um, then you can start to kind of reshape yourself, um, kind of reinvent yourself in a sense, you know, to a, to a, a better version of you and then just grow from there. But you need the right partner also to do that because sometimes it's hard to do it by yourself if you don't have anyone keeping you accountable. Yeah, and I think the one of the most important mm -hmm. things for us in the beginning was like communication, open communication. And mm -hmm. like from day one, nothing was off the table for conversation as it related to mm -hmm. our lives. That, and I would say we got to... I, I just want to really emphasize that. The, the fact that you made an intentional, conscious decision that nothing was off the table is unusual because especially oh, yeah. in, in a very, in that, like the quote unquote honeymoon phase of a relationship where you're like, yeah, I can climb up those stairs at Chimney Rock on this date. Like I can do that. I'm going to die. No, I mean, because that was me. And one of the, like, you, you don't want to take the elevator. You want to climb all these stairs. I'm claustrophobic. I'll do it. But, but that's, <laughs> it's, that's what we the majority of the populace does is they enter into that. I'm going to show you not my true self, but the self oh, yeah. that I think that you want to see. And that's Absolutely. not sustainable. So mm -hmm. I'm yeah. curious to how, like, really, how did you come to that decision to like, okay, we're going to do this different. We're nothing's off the table. Like, what was that thought process and like how did you have that conversation? Because I think a lot of people would like to have that. They just don't. Mm -hmm. I, I think like so for me, it was important that, you know, the person I was going to be with, um, that I got to be 100 percent authentic. And it also was important for me that they got to do the same thing. So uh, on our first date, I mean, after she asked me if I wanted to be married again. And so it was so early because I hadn't even thought about the idea of like dating, dating at that point. But I knew she was asking me because she was considering where we were going because she already knew what it was that she wanted in her life. And so she made it easy for me because I felt like in that she was going to be willing and be open from the very beginning to have deep conversations with me about a future. Right. This is our first date. And for most people, they're so afraid. Oh, you're going to talk about marriage on the first date. And my thing is like, well, no, because she knew in her life that she had already said that she wanted to be married again. And so if she's on a date with someone, she'd like that date to lead to something more than just a date. So she wanted to understand and 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 in the ways that she it was her questions, really, because that was the one thing that like really connected me with her, because I had just finished doing a documentary film where I was interviewing hundreds of people and all of a sudden I had someone asking me all these questions. Um, and then she also made it easy where I didn't feel judged by anything that I was sharing with her from my past. And I think that was like one of the big, big, um, you know, ways that she made it easy for us. So. Yeah. And um, for me, I would say that, you know, our worlds were just a little bit different because he's been in a relationship for a very long time, you know, you, you go way back to high school and you're with the same person. Me, I have been married before and then I've been back in the world to start dating again. So I was already dating, you know, like out there just trying to find the right person, taking my time. But um, it was a lot different than what he had experienced. Um in that aspect. So for me, answering, asking questions was easy because I was always, you know, trying to make sure that I asked the right questions to whoever I was speaking with so that I can determine if they would even be the right person for me. See, I don't like to waste time. So there's people that like to go to dinner and like to chat and then just like to, you know, dress up and all that stuff. And it's like, that's all great. But if you can't see yourself with that person, then what's what's the point? So for me, I didn't want to do dinner, these lavish dinners and things like that. I wanted to talk because I want to see if I even think I'm going to like you, <laughs> you know, to even be able to move forward. 
I, I think this is really speaks to something that's needed more in in our current dating world because we're in the and and this is this happened dating apps were around the last time I was single, but they weren't like they are today with the the more transactional type of um lens, I think. Um whether that's the intention or not, that's a for a longer debate. But I think it, the commitment to be open, but also not with judgment, is a really powerful approach to any relationship, whether that be your your intimate partner, whether that be your friendships. Um, I think if we were all more mindful in in business life. Um, in corporate, that we would have a lot less toxic environments in corporate if we could come with that mindset. So I think that that's really, really like amazing and something, a key takeaway that people could learn from that could apply to so many different situations, right? Just be open. And, but you know what else? And not you know what else? Um, expectations oh now we we all have expectations right i mean everyone has expectations there's nothing wrong with that but if you're coming in and you don't even know the person just listen just talk and and fill them out and just see what they have to say and, and you know and vice versa let them get to know a little bit more about you without imposing expectations so so like so close to um when you're first meeting someone um I know for he and I we 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 didn't have any we didn't have any expectations and what I mean by that is there wasn't any expectations that we were going to meet and then liked each other or expectations that once we met that things are going to go great or whatever we had to see. So I think the most important thing at that time was for us to just be who we are and just go from there and take it one thing at a time, small obtainable steps, not these long futuristic goals that, you know, we also said yes to everything in the beginning. Mm -hmm. We just said, yes, Mike, my, my granddad used to say this, this thing he would say, if you can say yes, why wouldn't you, right? He's like, when you're evaluating things, there are so many things and, and barriers and restrictions we put on things in our lives that we don't have to, right? And if you can say yes, then just say yes. You know, you never know what you open yourself to if you if you make that thing an available thing. Instead of adding some condition, there really is nothing more than fear that you're adding in if you if you allow yourself to be open. And I think that's really where it was with us. It's like, that for a lot of people, it seemed like things were moving too fast, you know, but here we are married. And so obviously we we were we were right about what we were feeling and we knew what we were experiencing and we just allow ourselves to be open. And we're still that way. It isn't like anything's changed since we've gotten married. Um, it's weird because I told her it seems like I feel like on a weekly basis, we just get closer and closer and closer, you know, and even through conflict, when we're trying to work through things, I feel like that even brings us closer because we just have a better understanding of each other. And it really is because we do come from this space where um, neither one of us is judging how the other person is in the world. Yet it does not mean that we're not corrective or try to bring things to attention that we might see in behaviors that we think that, she she can see things that I can't see, right? And vice versa, because of the way we we have been in the world uh, and we're able to communicate that to each other without attacking each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that also is, is helpful. So what are some of the ways that you approach that if 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 a little irritant comes up, it's like, I don't understand why you cannot put this in this hamper. You put it beside the hamper. Now I'm being, okay. I'm, I'm being sort of snarky, but that you is. You sound like you're talking from the the female part of the brain. <laughs> I am. I am. So, I'm the one yes, that does the laundry. Yes. I do no cooking in my house, hardly at all. My husband <laughs> is a fantastic chef, but 
I, oh, nice. I, my, my domain is the laundry. I, I will say that. Nice, nice. Um, I would say because of who he is, I don't, I don't want to hurt him. I, I don't want to, I don't want to see anybody hurt him, but I, I also don't want to hurt him. And with that being said, you know, I look at how he is towards me and how patient he is. And it actually teaches me how to be more patient too. Um, because, you know, usually as women, we're just, we got so many things on our mind. We're doing many things at one time. We're thinking about a million things at one time. We have a bunch of wires going on and, you know, it's just, it's a lot. Um, and it's a little different for how men do things, but it just, I try to make sure that I stay in the approach of respect and, um, I, I kind of look at it as how would I feel if I were to say something? I mean, we're not perfect. So sometimes we might say something that's a little hurtful, right? So that's that's normal. But as far as like intentionally, I try to intentionally, you know, make sure that I'm that I care for how I speak to him when it comes to, you know, resolving issues. Now I'm a very what they call passionate person. So sometimes I'll get, you know, my energy just takes over my body and then I'm just like, you know, just, yeah. But because he understands that, he knows that it's not anything against him. It's just sometimes me just talking about it, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I would say like for, so when we, the first thing, so when we first met, like she's one of the, like, one of the happiest <laughs> Her, like her spirit is filled with a lot of joy. And this was early in our relationship where something had happened and she was in a different energy space. And it was my first time experiencing that energy, but she was, it was, it had upset her and she was frustrated and she was communicating with it. And we had been talking on the phone so much that, you know, I was the person now to, to receive, <laughs> to receive the story of what was going on. And initially it felt so different because it was such a different energy than I had ever experienced from her before. But then I realized she's passionate, right? Mm -hmm. So of course, in this space, it's the same passion. It's the same energy. It's just the messaging or what it is, right? It's, it's just shifted, but it's the same energy. And then she also shared something with me. She's like, I have so much energy in me. She's like, and I, and I just have a lot sometimes and I have to like find some way to get it out. And that also explains other times, you know, and it's because we are in constant communication, constantly in communication, constantly learning. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll never know everything there is to know about each other. And that's great because that means we've got the rest of our life here to figure that out. But I think because we're in constant communication, it creates the right opportunity for us to, to keep working towards keeping that closeness there together. So I, I think it, when and in, in paying attention, like you're talking about, it's the same energy. It just may come in different forms based on the, the scenario. It's because mm -hmm. something that you've intentionally like, Oh, and you're putting the connectors together. Like, mm -hmm. and, and I, 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 I over the years have learned through trial and error, to how to communicate with my husband a little bit better too. My birthday is something that he has forgotten on several occasions. And he <laughs> happened to forget my birthday on my 50th birthday. So that was like a milestone birthday. I was like, comes home and he's like, what are, what are, he, he had a hard day at work, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean what we're doing? And I was very upset. I, I left the house. I went and had dinner by myself. I came back the next day. I went out and saw a movie by myself. I come home and there's flowers that have been delivered to the house, which if you knew my husband, you would know that that is like the end. That's just not him. So that just made me even more mad. I was like, <laughs> he's just doing like the checkbox thing. But then... As I was sitting there with my flowers that I was just couldn't believe that he had, he had done that. Um, I had a moment of aha 
And I'm like, well, first of all, you need to like practice what you teach. So you need to like, you need to dial it back and like take a moment. And what I realized was it was about that expectation. I know he's not like, that's just not his thing. If I put my birthday into his phone and have an alert or something, yeah, that would probably work. But what's better is if I say, hey, I would like to do blah, blah, blah next Tuesday for my birthday. Can we go ahead and plan that? It works out better that way. Why am I getting upset? about something that he's just, that's just not his natural. Now, some would argue and say, well, he that's disrespectful. Not if you knew how his brain worked. It's just that dates are just not his, his thing. Um, and ever since then, I've never been disappointed. In fact, this year we're going to go see Moulin Rouge downtown. So hmm. it's, it's, it's one of those things of it's that compromise but also the communication, like he's not a mind reader. No one's a mind reader. Well, we could argue that some people think they are. So, <laughs> but I mean, it's, but it's one of those things of this is important to me. I need to share this with you. I know you don't care about your birthday, but I would like to do something and we don't have to do it on the day. We can work around that. But it's, it's, uh, I just, I was like, why am I? Why do I want to fight? And then I realize again, you go back and you're like, all that programming. Oh, well, I like to throw down because I like to stir stuff up because I like that roller coaster chaos. No, I don't. No, I don't. Not really. And had to, because, you know, every, even now, sometimes that'll come up and you have to, like, okay, that's just the programming. That's not me. That's not me. So, one of the other conversations that we've had is the power of storytelling. And I love the concept that you guys are taking storytelling and you're now incorporating that in your core work with people. And that is yeah. amazing. That is amazing. So tell me more about that because I am super excited. Yeah. I mean, just um, I'll say something, something small, really quick about that. Um, so, I mean, we all like stories, right? And a lot of times, you know, even if we haven't experienced that particular situation or that story, we can envision in our minds what it looked like, um, painting a picture, um, I'm really good with that when it comes to, you know, I'm a very visual person. So if someone is talking about something, it doesn't matter what it is. You could be talking about how, you know, you set a piece of paper on fire and, and watched it to see how long it was going to take for it to go out. Right. And I'm literally in my head visualizing that very thing. Um, so I, what I love um, as far as, what Aaron brings into that is, you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts and thought processes that I take to, to create, you know, stories and things like that. Um, and he also, he can bring it to life. So we work very well in that aspect together. Yeah. It's one of those things where like you as children, um, you know, in our lives, like we, most of the ways in which we came in contact with the world was through stories, right? And so one of the biggest ways that we started to understand this vast world that we had no knowledge of were through all the different stories that, um, you know, our families or any entertainment we're, you know, uh, watching and pretty much the way we came to understand the world was through story. And I think that it's, the, the modern world, I think, has also created a situation that says this is for children, this is for adults. And it's created a bunch of adults that don't believe they have permission to dream anymore. And because of that, I think that that we within the information we had in our course and some of the things we've done in our workshops, some of the most 
beneficial things we've done have been through like stories or exercises. And we, we, uh, I'll share this because we, this is one of our best examples from a workshop that we did um, last fall and we had a couple come up. And so we had the, um, we had the husband and the wife and the wife was telling the husband a story about her day at work. And the only instructions the husband had was repeat exactly what she said back to her. <laughs> and so this is an, about active listening. And so in this example, what really happened was instead of him just saying what she said, he started interjecting his own thoughts into how she should be at work and that, you know, and that what she was saying and she should do these things. And, he, and then we're like, well, wait, no, no, you're just supposed to repeat what she said. And if you go back to stories in the past for a lot of tribes, there wasn't a written word. So everyone had to know the story. They had to know it verbatim, right? Because that's how you passed it down for generations. And I think that story is, is the essence of who we all are. And one of the things I've learned through doing documentaries is that there are millions of people in this world, billions, to be honest, of people in this world who will go through life and they'll never get an opportunity to, to share their story, to tell their story. And so I think that by us in, uh, including story into our lessons, it gives you a more visual way to connect with what we're saying. And I think it connects a little bit better than just telling someone, here's the problem and here's a solution. I, that is so, so, I mean, there is so much deep truth in what you're saying. We are wired biologically to embrace st a study a story more. I mean, when they've there have been studies looking at the parts of the brain that light up from someone that is telling a story and someone is hearing it, and they're like vir virtually no difference. I mean, it's really powerful, and I think that you are correct. And oh well, fairy tales are for children. No, fairy tales are for everyone. I mean, that's that's how we learn so quickly. We learn much more quickly because we retain it more because it makes it makes more sense in our heads. And I think that the concept of doing uh, workshops and incorporating that, and also with the book that you just released, incorporating the stories within that. It makes it, it, you're able to put yourself into the story more, or you are like, well, I, I want to be this character, or I want to be this character, or I am this character, or, but I really want to be this character. I mean, who didn't grow up wanting to be a character of something that you knew? I mean, I wanted Bionic Woman and mm -hmm. one, like, those were my two, like, I wanted mm -hmm. to be those, the, those were like my, my um uh childhood heroes if you will and i i th i think that it's it's super under utilized in in a lot of different ways especially in this like how we connect to other people in in um in in developing those connections i think that if we did more of that more leadership development training would probably be more effective. Um, and I think that um, when you're, cause I, I've been to marriage counseling. I, I did that with my uh, ex-husband um, and you those exercises are great. Exercises are great, but if you can overlay that on the storytelling on top of it, I just think that that would be so much more powerful. And obviously that's what you're seeing. And, and that um and I think that there's something that it just speaks to it speaks to giving permission for the adults to think in the possible instead of their programming mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 definitely and I think that um it's yeah, what is it? The autopilot that people get into right. in their lives, you know, right. and because of it, we because we've lived or because we've had some kind of success in it, we think that that's the way we have to go. And one of the biggest things 
as I transitioned uh, in my life to where I am now is I I am a person who's not, I don't need to do everything the same way that I've always done things. As a matter of fact, I like to embrace lots of things and 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 I find more excitement and and approaching things in a different way than I've always approached things. And so it's in, in learning and in technology. And, and I'm one of those people that embraces new technology because it's exciting because I feel like it can offer an experience that isn't possible if you're not embracing it because the world and we all are every day changing. And if you can just embrace that, then I feel like that the journey of it is so much more exciting than it would be if you're a person that's trying to hold on to these this these past ways of doing things. I think that that, that is a great segue. So a few years ago, um, James and I did a panel at DragonCon, which is a sci-fi uh, fantasy convention thing in Atlanta every year. And we did a panel on sex tech. And it was the most attended panel that year. It was a late night adult panel. Um, but uh, we had standing room only, and they were shocked at how many people came to the panel. And we didn't know what we were going to get because the, the title of the panel was Sex Tech. And the what we were talking about was the impact on, on intimate relationships with technology geared towards sexual devices, et cetera. What we found, though, in the Q&A and, and, and stuff that we were talking about was the, I mean, you could like feel the energy in the room and you've done enough workshops, you know, that like you can feel the energy in the room of there's this tech, but we're, we all still feel so disconnected. And there was a big concern. And this, this was probably eight years ago. So tech has really taken off now around is it good? There was this debate of is it going to help us or is it going to hurt us? And um, I come from twenty plus years being in tech, so te tech does not scare me. Um, but I am very intentional about tech. So I would like y'all's thoughts on tech and how you think it's affecting relationships now, and how you. What you, what evolution do you think is going to happen? Because AI is here, obviously, um, and that's you know that's not the genie's out of the bottle. You're not going to put that back in. And I'm not one to uh, think that it will save us, and I'm not one to think it will destroy us. I think humans. Uh, can use their critical thinking skills and and it can be beneficial or it can be harmful depending on how you look at it. You think? What do you think about AI and if we're just speaking about AI, I mean, um I mean, I don't know. I I, I think it allows you to for me, I feel like it's Google on steroids yeah. <laughs> pretty much because when I do research, you know, um, my normal way, will, my usual way anyway, will go to Google, right, to, to do some, to look up some things. Um, but AI, it, it, it seems to do a little deeper dive and in, in pulling some some stuff on. It's like, wow, yeah, that's exactly what, what I was looking to receive, you know, um, but in, in more depth. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, with, with the world changing, you know, we obviously have to change along with it. Um, and when it comes to connections and things like that, I think it's important to, um, not just lean on tech alone, but also to pull, can make sure that you're still pulling people in and their thoughts as well, because, I think it's it's important um, to do that. So I'm, I'm I'm pretty old school, but at the same time, you know, I feel like um, not having too much of one thing is healthy. You know, so if if you can balance it, then I think I don't. I think it's great. Yeah, I think one of the most unfortunate things about humanity is we turn to our inventions instead of each other. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Um, 
That's, and, and that's I think a quotable. That that's, yeah. that's a quotable <laughs> that's one of the, right there. One of the really, really big problems we have is that, you know, we, you know, and, and we try to develop these solutions for problems we have that actually are things that we should be turning towards each other to work together to solve these together, right? And so someone in their life has an issue with communication or has an issue with being social. So what do they do? They develop a social network for people to come in and connect, right? Because they themselves are having trouble with being social. And because of it, they actually aren't developing something that makes people more connected. It it does the adverse um, where it basically creates conditions that makes people less connected. And then what people start doing is they start mimicking behavior of other people instead of developing actual social skills and really communicating because the communication leads to good connection. And so for me with the artificial intelligence, I think the the danger of it is that what's going to happen, because we're already seeing it, is we're going to start making this, we've created this computer system that's going to eventually become self-aware. And it's going to be self-aware, but it's soulless. And so it's going to mimic and behave. And if we're going to be able to put it in systems and even in some type of, um, you know, robotic, human-like entities that we're going to interact with, right? And they're going to behave and act like us, but we're going to have the same problem in the fact that now we're connecting with something that isn't real. And I think that's the danger the dangerous uh, part of it. But I do think for for as long as that within technology, to me, some of the great things are how there are some things that we've come to understand about our course that we've developed, about our book, that the way we can we can pose these questions and the information we get back from this AI, from this um like the 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 chatbots. It, it allows us to come to like some better understandings that we didn't even know, like in, in an instant. And it's amazing because the amount of time it took us to like sit down and like write the material. Like we spent the last couple of years kind of ideating and figure out where we want to be. We developed our course. And then once we knew where we wanted to go, we were able to get through the process of writing so much faster because we could get a lot of questions answered about the material and a lot of ideas. We could, we could kind of source these ideas in this way that might have taken a lot of focus groups to do. And now we've got a technology that allows us to get through it much quicker. So I think on that, on that side, it's good, but I'm, I'm, it's one of those things that concerns me about how we are as humans, because we've done this for thousands of years before there was this, this kind of technology. We use a lot of different things that we invent to solve problems where the solution should be human connection. And rather than do that as a solution, we create something that's supposed mm -hmm. to make things better for us. I think that's one of the things that we have lost when we have, um, I don't want to say dis discarded, but in some ways it is discarded. You know, in, in indigenous cultures for thousands and thousands of years, there were some initiation rites, like through the process. And I feel like when people went through those rites of passage, and we even had some of those, even me growing up, but they seem to be less than they once were. But those rites of passage instilled some identity in yourself. It also instilled some connection to like whomever was guiding you through those and also a connection to the community. And I feel like we, we are losing more of that. And I, 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 that when I look at technology and, and I, I went to a, um, a gamer convention, um, uh, probably a couple of months ago, I, I was, um, James went with a with a client and I walked in and it was just rows of people on computers playing games. They weren't talking to each other. They were playing the games. And then there were boxes where they had VR helmets and they were, but there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of communication with other people. And somebody asked me, well, what do you think? And I was like, 
just this is I'm sort of going more in a different direction. I think this could be useful in certain situations, but this is again, it's one of those being mindful type things, right? But um but I also wonder if it could help with they said that um the US uh, Surgeon General put out a report in 2023 and um I usually don't quote reports unless I've read the entire thing. So I'm going to kind of break one of my own rules here. But it said that this was on the epidemic of loneliness and isolation in the United States. And one of the things I found curious was they thought, they said that lack of social connection was more detrimental to your physical health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And that I was just like, what now there there were several components to social connection it was individual your relationships your community and society like societal norms and whatnot all of this but they cited that there was 29 percent increase in like heart disease 32 percent increase of high risk of stroke 50 percent increase of risk of developing dementia because wow. of isolation and disconnection. Um, and obviously that varied for different age demographics and, and whatnot. But it really spoke to how we need connection to something. And we really need connection to each, like another human, right? We need connection. And it's I, I thought it really spoke to the power of community as well and i think that um i think strong relationships mean strong communities which means strong humanity and (laughs) and that ripple effect um but I i thought that was really interesting that it was more impactful than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And cigarettes were above, I think, some odd number of alcohol drinks too. I was like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty. <laughs> I think um, the pandemic was a, is a great example of, of that. Yeah, um, it exasperated. It definitely, they they had referenced that it, it just, like it was already bad before the pandemic, but the pandemic just exasperated everything. And I think, but I also think that the pandemic was an opportunity to shine a light on that in a different way um, so that it couldn't be ignored anymore. Mm -hmm. Because I think more people were looking at it. They may have been looking at it from a different context um, for their own, whatever their own motivations were. But I think, nevertheless, the data, if you really, there's actual real data out there of impact on on that. And uh, I, I think it just highlights the the need for beyond surface level connection with people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that no, there's no better place to start that than in your home with your own partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a there's a a shift that I noticed. Um, this was maybe 2013, 14 ish. Also, about ten years ago. Um, in I'm I'm a person who helps, and I was at an event. Um, and there was I remember meeting a guy who was starting off with photography. And so we like connected on social media and then I was just offering to help him like, you know, hey, if you got to shoot, like I can come help, like help you shoot, like I'll hold your reflector, like as you're learning, like, and he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, "Um, I just want to help. Like I'm the person who helps, but why, why, like why, what do you, what do you want? I was like, I don't want anything. But I noticed a shift in a generation where there was just this sense that I couldn't possibly just want to be helpful without wanting something, you know? And, um, and I think that's, that's an unfortunate thing that we, that there are things that have been changing in the systems people are connected to where they do 
they don't embrace that like that connection really right they're they're out putting things out in the world and this is someone who he was posting things and and he was there was some areas of growth that like it seemed like he wanted to help but it's he really didn't like he wanted to network and be there but he thought that someone was just going to hand it to him right and it's like, and, and I think there's some of that that's changed too, because it's without each other, you know, and having these connections, you don't really get to the best place or the best version of yourself. You know, if you're just trying to do it, you know, yourself, I think that that's something I've, you know, talked to like with all of our, with all of our kids, you know, about the understanding, like you need people, you, you it's going to be very difficult to make it in this world in a, in a good way, if you don't have people helping you through. You know, because we're all we all need each other. I think that one of the 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 things that the personal development and spiritual development industries, like the areas, are really struggling with now is for a very long time now, and in what really birthed like the personal development industry in particular was the focus on the individual. And I think there, the the focus on the individual when you like turn that inward gaze is super necessary. But there comes a point that when you've done, we're never done done with our work, but there comes a point of it's it needs to be turned outward. Like I I, I talked about the fact that, you know vision boards like vision boards can be very helpful but rarely do i see on a vision board of some where's the gift back where's the impact that you want to have you know the focus on the vision boards are usually these are the things i want to have or experience which again no hate to that that's that's awesome and everybody like can do whatever put out whatever you want you do you i'm very pro that. But I think that everyone's purpose on, in this world is the same. I think you come into this world, for the evolution of your soul, and to contribute back to the collective in some way. Because I think everyone, everyone can give back in some way. You may not know how you've affected another person. Like that person, you could have, you just don't know. We don't know the effect that we have. We will never know the ripple effect. But I think that that's something that this industry is struggling with. It's the, okay, and in, in, and in, which, again, we all need to do that internal work. But there's also this, you're part of a collective of humanity. So that's the, that's where the real magic happens. It's like when you can, like, blend the two together, right? Like, I mean, it's obvious what you guys are doing now is you've done all this amazing internal work. And then you did this, like, develop this garden with the both of you. And then now you're turning that outward so that you can help other people do the same, right? It's like that whole evolution and building that bigger ecosystem, right? To have that bigger effect. So I'm going to be mindful of time. But I'm curious, let's see, what are your, what do you think the top three insights and perhaps uh, whether it be exercises or just things to contemplate? I'm a big believer in contemplation and giving someone a, a, a kernel of of truth and just let them sort of marinate with that so what would be your top three um i probably have more than three but i'll give you three <laughs> um they can read the book and go take the course for that <laughs> um i will i will probably say changing habits um because if you want to be better you have to be open to change so you know changing habits out with the old and with new. Um, the, that's the first one. The second one, in no, no particular order. Um, the second one I would say is don't forget about the fundamentals. There are a lot of fundamental 
things in life, it, it doesn't matter what you apply them to, rather it's sports or rather it's life, work, family, whatever. There are fundamental things that you have to keep in mind, um, you know, as, as you're going through. And I would say the last thing would be, how do you want to go about making change? How is it going to affect someone else? Um, and a part of that is being being kind, intentionally being kind. Um, it's not always about what you can get out of something, but what you can, what, whatever you put out, you know, especially if it's good, it it spreads and then you will reap the benefits just because of that. Just that simple. It's great. It's great. Aaron? It's great. Oh, you were each of us. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking she gave such great examples. Like this was it was great. She, you know, this is really good. I know you got more. I know you got more. Yeah. Put your spin on it. Understanding how you want to be in the world. I think that's that's like an important one. Um and um along with that would be owning that. Um, because yeah. once you come to that understanding and then you own that understanding, it's better for you to navigate the world in a more honest way. Um, and I would say, like she said, being open to change um, because a lot of people talk about it. Um, but it, but if you really want to have, you know, the kind of life that's fulfilling, you have to be open. You've got to be willing to be open to it. There's so many things that I do different in my life with Sophie than I did the past 20 years. And I'm very intentional about so many things that, that we even are, are dealing with or, or experiencing that, um, you know, making sure that I'm open to, to like doing it, not exactly in the same way I have in the past because I'm no longer the same person I was, but so many people are so anchored in their past, even with their actions um, that they're not able to kind of live a good way. And then I would say being willing to vocalize your love, how you feel, your feelings, you know, because it's important and people need to hear it. And, you know, you shouldn't be thinking it. If you're thinking it, you're saying it. I told Sophie that I loved her within seven days of meeting her because I felt it. I knew it. It was real. And it didn't matter to me that she said it back. And she didn't at the time. And that was okay. But I wanted her to know what I was feeling because it was very real. And I was I it was important to me to just be honest with my feelings from the very beginning I met her. And I think that people, if you could be more honest about what you feel, you'll either find people who who receive you and accept you for who you are versus those people who pretend to. Because if you're pretending to be a version of you, then you're also not going to receive anything real in return. And so that's what I would I like to put on record that <laughs> he says all the time, you know, I told Sophie I love her in seven days and she didn't say it back. <laughs> well, as a woman, we plan. So I had this plan to tell them and it was going to be on a particular day around a certain time. <laughs> With 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 me giving a gift to go towards that, so I had a plan. It didn't mean that I didn't feel the same, you know, as as soon as he did. Um, but most, but but think about that. Seven days, many don't fall in love with someone or can say that to someone in seven days. So that's totally understandable. But um, just wanted to put it on record that it it was only because I had a plan. That that was gonna be like a, for another like two weeks. It, she made you wait. It was worth it though. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. It was worth it. So I um like I said, I will put the link to the book in my show notes in the source code podcast show notes. Also, before we sign off, uh website, how can people get in touch with you. I will put that link in the show notes as well, but it is trueconnection.love. Okay. That is our website. All right. And do you have a course going on now or can people sign up for a wait so, list or? Yeah. So basically on our website, you've, we've got some coaching sessions available. Okay. But we will have information published there about our course on okay. the website. 
fantastic fantastic well thank you guys for joining i appreciate your time and thank you for having thank you <laughs> all right I hope you enjoyed that first episode of my conversation as much as I enjoyed the conversation with Aaron and Sophie. Their information is in the show notes, as I mentioned before. Check them out. Go give them a follow on social. And I'd love to hear what you thought about the episode. You can connect with me on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. That tends to be where I hang out the most. Remember to seek the magic in the mundane and to always find beauty every day. Thank you for listening to the Source Code Podcast. If you found this episode insightful and feel moved to, please leave a review and share it out with those you believe will find it helpful. You can check out my website for more information at www.adriamcdonald.com. And for more of my more regular musings, connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and LinkedIn. I hope you have a beautiful week.